becoming a lawyer was not, a, I'll say, the end in itself. It was just, for me, a mean of being just um, someone with the freedom to being able to help others uh, achieve some dreams and uh, do what is right, you know, as much as possible. I could have been something else, but I just felt that law was maybe what I sensed was the best way for me to be able to do that and also discover discover the world. I mean, I was very curious, I would say, I said initially, I was very curious about discovering the world, you know. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Expert and African, where I share the stories of African tech specialists and how they climb the ladder to become expert. Every week, you get to learn valuable insights about different African experts in different industries, and you get to have an insight into what goes on in those industries, get recommendations if you're planning to start a career in those industries, or just general inspiration on how to get better in any career you've chosen or any tech career you've chosen. Today, I have an interested guest on this podcast. His name is Seth Tamak. He's a Cameroonian policy expert, and he has been in the field for over 17 years or so, but particularly he spent almost 15 years at Microsoft, leading compliance, policy, legal affairs. That is huge, and that is a part of the conversation I can't wait to get to. Um, up until December 2021, he was the head corporate external and legal affairs at Microsoft. Initially, he was leading legal affairs for Francophone Africa, but at some point, he started covering MEA. So, without further ado, let's meet Serge. Serge, I am happy to have you here today. Hi, Femi. I'm pleased to be, to be invited. Very pleasure. Thanks. So, Let's get into this conversation. Let's meet you, Serge. It's a very good conversation starter. But I don't want you to get lost in that. So you can just start with um, your where you grew up, um, how you started, your academic background, how you got into law to have a legal background. So let's start with that. <laughs> it's very interesting too. Very interesting story to tell, I guess. Um, I very interesting. My parents were working, were both working in both, both bankers. Um, so I moved a lot when I was um, was I was very young. Um, if I recall, actually, I didn't spend more than two or three years in a single in a single place. Um, it and then look, it means that I didn't have really, I didn't really make friendship when I was uh, I was at high school or. or for that, I was moving a lot uh, around, around Cameroon, but I think I spent I spent the majority of my, my life growing up in um, in um, in Yaoundé. Yaoundé is the capital city of Cameroon. It's uh, it's a very hilly place. It's a bit of a Abuja if you in Nigeria. Um, it's uh, it's uh, it has a very good climate, climate very uh, very quiet place, very uh, administrative. Bureaucratic, uh, wearing ties, and looking serious. <laughs> but it's, it's very different from, uh, from the other uh, big uh, city in Cameroon, which is Douala. Uh, so, look, I, I, I grew up there, uh, you know, the, the, only, um, the only boy in the family of, uh, <laughs> of women, with, uh, sisters. Uh, and I always had interest in. Uh, uh, I used to read a lot, I'm still uh, very. 
avid reader. I, I, I can read at least two or three books per week. <laughs> but, you know, so I was very interested in uh, in, uh, in, 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 in in politics. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I used to read more than that, but today it's okay. probably to read two books every week. But I, I'm trying to keep up with that uh, <laughs> that rhythm. Um, so I was always been interested in, but very curious, uh, very curious. Um, uh, you know, literature. Um, very open to the, to the world, and I remember that my, my dad used to travel quite a bit as a banker, and, and uh, he was uh, he was reading his newspapers every day. And once he drops the newspapers, and I always uh, take them to my to my my bedroom and read them. And I always was always chasing. So where are my newspapers in this house? I know one person who is always it was very interesting, it was like a game between, between him and I, uh, but I was reading a lot. And, um, so I got interested in, I always got interested in, uh, in, uh, in politics, in, uh, you know, in, uh, in foreign countries, foreign culture. Uh, in addition to that, I was, uh, I always had, I don't know where that, that came, maybe because my, my parents were bankers, I don't know, but I always had that sense of justice that things had to be. You know, um, that's for principles, for principles. Uh, and I remember once at, at school, um, uh, uh, one of my my neighbors, uh, I think was uh, he he was um, basically cheating. Let's put it away. Basically cheating. So I I wrote a note on a small piece of paper and I sent to him and said, "Stop doing that." Uh, if you get caught, <laughs> I, I will not be the one that defend you. But now I've seen it, so please stop it. <laughs> and he shot back. He shot back and said, "He shot back and said, yeah, on one condition, if you help me." <laughs> so look, uh, so sense of justice, if you want, like look right and wrong. I don't know what I came in and then. So, but very interestingly, my parents have lived with me, especially my mother. She was very, really, very, she didn't want me to, uh, to get into law. She was, of course, as most parents, she was dreaming of me being a doctor, <laughs> or being <laughs> an engineer. Um, I think I'm a very unconventional uh, parent because I'm more of uh, open with my, my kids and like, do whatever you want as long as it. <laughs> Pays you a good salary, good salary. <laughs> and, and gives you some sort of a structured life. Uh, but my parents were really that old style. Like you know, we, we believe you. You know, you have to do. You have to be a lawyer. Not a lawyer. Sorry, you have to be a doctor because that's very prestigious. You know, and blah blah blah. Um, and I and something in me is always fight them. It's, you know, everything they told me. Say, my mom, my mom was like, I want you to be a doctor. I say, okay. I'll do everything not to be a doctor. So, so I I I I became very well, less interested. I get less interested in mathematics, in mathematics and physics, and I'm more interested in literature. But she was very disappointed, and then she said, "Okay, okay, then I want you to become a professor." Like, okay, if you do things differently, and that's why I started dreaming of being of becoming a lawyer because I thought it would be look. I think that sense of justice in me will be maybe as an opportunity to help people and and, uh, and also give me some some sort of freedom uh, because I am I am, I am very open and free person. I hate boundaries, things like that. <laughs> you 
uh, and I told look, being a lawyer, it's a very fascinating because then you can you, know, you can define, you can define what you want, what you do. You can define who you can pick up as clients. You can, you know, you're basically free of doing whatever you want. Um, and my mom was like, no, I don't want you to be a lawyer because then you're going to get, you're going to defend criminals, you're going to get into trouble. You know, we don't want that. And I told her, look, uh, if you don't want me to become a lawyer, then I. Exactly. Then I told her, look, if you want me to become a lawyer, then I will get into politics. I'm like, no hell, no politics. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was very interesting uh, conversations I was was growing up. So look, <laughs> so there, yeah, I got very interested in getting into into that uh, for all those reasons. Um, and basic and big for me was um, um, becoming a lawyer was not a, I'll say the end in itself. It was just for me a mean of being just um, someone with the freedom to being able to help others uh, achieve some dreams and uh, do what is right you know as much as possible I could have been something else but I just felt that law was maybe what I sensed was the best way for me to be able to do that and also discover discover the world I mean I was very curious I would say I said it I was very curious about discovering the world you know um, and I felt also that being a lawyer would be a good opportunity for me to, uh, to do that. That's how I got into uh, into law. Um, so I did uh, my studies in Cameroon. Uh, um, initially, I got a law degree in Cameroon. Uh, then again, I moved a lot. I moved between. I did like three universities in Cameroon again because of the family. Um, I'm moving around a lot. Um, which well, is not bad actually because it gave me a fairly good ex- exposure to, to my country. I think uh, I went at least to, uh, to, 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 I went to a lot of places in Cameroon. I know the culture, I was able to interact with people. Uh, knowing the local language, that helped a lot, I can tell you. Um, so yeah, I did, I did my law degree in Cameroon. Um, then, I, then I went abroad. I started working actually. I started working after my law degree. Uh, because I wanted to, I wanted to be independent uh, from, my, from my family financially, so I started working after my degree. Um, uh, I, I started working uh, as a lawyer in uh, in, in a bank. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly, my parents were both bankers, so, I, so the first job I got was <laughs> in a bank <laughs> as a lawyer, as, as an associate, as a legal associate, and then I moved into. Uh, into I, I, I was lucky enough to be recruited by um, a prominent organization based out of Cameroon, which is the African intellectual property organization. I'll come back to that later, perhaps. Uh, I did spend like two, two and a half years, three years there, and then, uh, and then I moved out to Cameroon. I, I went to do a postgraduate in, uh, in South Africa, in Victoria. Again, uh, that hunger of discovering the world. And I, I've always been fascinated. I, Nelson Mandela is one of my favorite. Uh, is actually one of my role models when it comes to, uh, to, to life. So I, was, I always dream of visiting South Africa and hopefully meeting him. <laughs> um, so, I, so I actually applied to, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to law courses in, in South Africa. I was, was working enough to get admitted to the University of Pretoria. And, and the good thing was that it was a dual degree. So, University of Pretoria, 
um, which was actually a joint uh, program with university in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. So good, I, I, uh, cherry on the cake, I got a scholarship <laughs> for that. So I did a master's degree in South Africa, I'm part of it in, uh, in Amsterdam, Netherlands. Um, and then I, I, I finished that uh, part of my, my life by spending six months in, uh, in a few months in, in Switzerland. And as part of the, of the law degree, uh, I did to work there with the, the, the World Trade Organization. It was more of a, a, an internship and then a consultantship. So that's consultancy. So that's what, that's basically you know, how I become a lawyer and how was my, 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 my legal journey as, as a student. How did you get your scholarships? You know, that's a good question, actually. Um, I think three things. You write about hard work, uh, but it's also luck and the ability, I think, to say, seizing the opportunities. Seeing the opportunities and seizing them. Uh, just a good, I just wanted to for you. You know, when I when I started to work as a banker, that was 1998. Um, things were very much manual at that time. You can, if you can if you recall, internet in 1998 was, uh, especially in Africa, was accessible to only really very few people. Um, and so I remember I was, my first email account, uh, opened my first email account in 1998. Yeah. I, I think the, I think that operator is really cease to exist today, it doesn't even exist, it exist anymore. Um, but that, when I landed the job at, um, at the African Technology Organization in, in early 2000, late 1999, um, I remember when I was, when the HR team was doing the tour, they were showing me the facility, my desk, etc. Um, the HR director told me, look, ah, okay, this is your desk, this is your computer, you have access to the internet. I asked him, I was like, hey, hang on. So you're saying I have access to internet 24 hours a day? He said, yeah, 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 it's always connected. Like, what? <laughs> and I sensed that he was like uh, my window or to the to the world. Right? Um, that there's something that um, I can do with that access to the internet. So and I'd say it was um, something that became... That was, like, was like, I would say, a defining moment in my life because um, then I started working there and being able to have access to the internet. You know, back then um, in Cameroon, uh, you could easily have uh, a 30 minute internet connection for close to what, uh, $10, $10. It was quite expensive and I had it like 20 hours a day. Um, so I thought to myself, look, Serge, um, this place is your, <laughs> it's, it's actually your opportunity, your window to the world, so you need to find a way to, uh, to you know, to maximize the opportunity. And what I did was like, okay, let me just uh, walk, let me just, just look at uh, where I'm, I am here and see whether, you know, as I was looking for my opportunities to grow, because I'm like, okay, this is an entry point in my career. Well, what that for me was already thinking about the next step. And that's also something that is, I think it defines me. It's always, I'm always thinking about okay, what next for me, what next for me. Um, maybe because um, that's a very interesting uh, uh, comment from a, a friend of mine say, you get bored easily. That's why what he told me. Maybe that's why you're always thinking about your next move. <laughs> but I, I tend to think that it's more about, you know, what's, you know, how do I seize the next opportunity? So, um, so I started looking for, I said, okay, one thing that I'm, 
that I have. I have a, I have a law degree. I graduated uh, among the best in, in my university. I have a good job, I think, uh, in Cameroon, starting, starting international exposure, working in international organization. Uh, but there is something else that I that uh, I, I miss, and it's maybe how you know I actually spend my degree. My law degree was um, actually had it in university. That is. Uh, almost entirely francophone and was in French. And I told look, um, I speak fairly good English. Uh, why not having have a postgraduate in English? You know, in a country speaking country. That would give me an edge, I think, on you know, uh, you know career wise on the job market. Um, I and I really sense it, you know, I, frankly I didn't have any conversation with anybody at that time. I just felt that there was something that I needed to do on that front to, to have an advantage. So I started thinking of, okay, what's going to do? So I started looking for, for, for postgraduates in Africa and Europe and everywhere that pretty much my, my profile. And I started applying, you know, and I, I remember that between, I think, year two of my, um, when I started working at, at uh, African University to to the end to, the, to my departure, I probably applied to like like twenty every year, like twenty uh, universities. Yeah. Probably sent like twenty applications to university over two and a half years. Yeah, <laughs> I was admitted to I think six or seven, and I picked Pretoria um, because there was that you know joint program, and it was the first program, and it was. It was, came with a scholarship. Um, it was not the most prestigious at that time, I would say, but it was one that I really felt that would give me, not only because I had a dream of going to South Africa, but also I just felt that because it was a new program, uh, you know, we have some sort of first mover advantage. <laughs> you know, everything. You actually define the program by yourself. By yourself blah, blah. Uh, so I, I actually apply and then I got this. Uh, this, uh, this letter from, from Victoria and Amsterdam that I got admitted to the program. And, and I think what, what made the difference, um, I think the first was my, my profile. I think I, you know, I've, I started working, I was a professional already, um, more than more, more than half years of experience uh, in, a, in, a, in an international organization that was uh, recognized. I think the second thing was I speak, I spoke both French and English. I was bilingual. Um, and I must say that I was the only one in my, in that intake, in that promotion that was actually bilingual. And I've, I've actually discovered it to be a fairly, uh, um, uh, uh, I would say a good, has been an advantage for me throughout my career to speak both French and English. Uh, especially working working in Africa, uh, so yeah, speaking both English and, and French, and then the ter thirdly, I think um, I prepared the, the interviews and the application process quite seriously. I actually researched extensively, and I developed. I think that's at that time that I actually started developing that habit of every time I want to do something, um, applying, for instance, to a program or writing something, that I do an extensive research on the internet. In fact, I've now gotten so used to doing research on the internet that I find it difficult to do manual research. Yeah. So I, I think it's really researching intensively, uh, doing my homework, 
quite a lot. So I think I got prepared. I was well prepared for the interviews. Um, and yeah, I think those are some of the, the, I believe, some of the things that played in my, in my favor. Did your mom eventually come to terms with your profession? Yeah, she well, she she's passed away, unfortunately, but I think she was. <laughs> she she was proud of me, you know, when I started working. Yeah, sorry, when I started traveling for work, um, and and she was she was very interesting. She was she she dreamed of being a lawyer herself when she was young, as young. Um, but then she had to change uh, because of her, her career, professional career. So she was proud. She was proud eventually. Uh, she understood why I didn't want to be a doctor. <laughs> Eventually, yeah, yeah, she was she was happy for me, and we we used to spend hours on the phone talking about uh, you know uh, statutes and, uh, and <laughs> legal records. She was she became quite interested in. Me. Yes, I think I've been lucky to um, as a lawyer to really. I think I've traveled the world. I can say uh, I've traveled the world quite extensively. Um, uh, from Africa, I think I've probably been to, uh, I would say probably 75% of the countries in Africa, frankly, <laughs> frankly, and uh, I've lived in, in, in various countries in, yeah, in Africa. I've lived in Nigeria, for instance, <laughs> you know, thanks for, for being a lawyer. I lived in Nigeria, in Africa, Cote d'Ivoire, Senegal, Burkina Faso, a bunch of other countries where I've, where I've traveled, and, and really meeting other people in a different culture. Um, and other lawyers and other other legal systems even professionally because um, um, came in came in for instance you know we, we, we just, there are several systems that's what we call the civil system which is uh, influenced by the French by French law uh, or Dutch law and then you have the you have a system which is influenced by the British which is for instance in um, um, for instance in, in Nigeria or other English speaking countries. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to be experiencing both, right? And, you know, thankfully, you know, because I was exposed, I, I travel, I work with people, I work with systems in, in, in various countries. Outside of Africa, look, I live in Europe, I live in, in, in Europe, I live in Amsterdam. Then was also my best, I would say it's probably my best friend of my life as a student. I was biking, I was biking to school, I was biking to university. <laughs> Uh, for people who know Amsterdam, it's, it's a very cute, cute place. It's a lot of water, canals. I was biking to, I was, you know, to biking to school or going by, by, by to school, and it was it was a very nice place. It was very open. It's a very open place. Um, so it was very cosmopolitan, and we we had. I was fortunate also to be in a um, to be an university where we had a program where we had people from coming from very different parts of the world, you know, Chinese, or Indian, say it's, you know, Asian people, European people, African people. Um, and I learned a lot, I learned them, you know, because um, it was very competitive, it was very open. Um, we learned a lot about, of course, tolerance, you know, because people have different habits, different culture. Um, and I think it made, it probably, I would say, you know, probably made me a better person uh, to, uh, to some extent. And, and then after that, I went to Switzerland. Switzerland is great. It was a very, very interesting country. Uh, and I work at the UN, uh, which is, I think it's, it's a great experience working at the United Nations in, in Geneva. Um, you, know, you know, getting exposure to, uh, to the UN system, um, meeting people you know, from, from various nationalities. 
and being exposed also to uh, to, uh, to work, work diplomats, um, it gives you a very different perspective on what you have when you're coming from a country or actually representing those countries abroad and the way they think is not necessarily the way they think uh, in country. So yeah, so I think I was was fortunate enough to have that. I would say that breadth of experience across various continents and various cultures in Africa. Can you give us a glimpse of your career journey between 1998 and 2021? Yeah, it's quite a long time. That's true. Um, one thing that just before we just like get into the details. The, our, our legal system is a bit different from the one, for instance, you have in, you have in there. In Nigeria, you have a law school, uh, so you have to be admitted to the law, to the bar, to the bar, uh, to have to do the bar exam to be admitted to practice. Uh, it's a little bit different in, in Cameroon, say the French system. Although things are changing a little bit, um, in the sense that you don't necessarily need to be um, admitted to the bar to practice law. Uh, for you to appear in court, you have to be admitted to the bar. But for you to work as a corporate lawyer for a company, you don't necessarily need to be admitted to the bar. Um, so I actually didn't um, do the bar exam. I started working right away um, as a corporate, you know, as a corporate lawyer, writing, writing memos, writing notes, advising other uh, clients. Um, it's been a very interesting journey. I think in the sense that um, my my role as a lawyer has evolved um, with technology, uh, with experience, with exposure of different type of culture and opportunities. Um, but even my own, I'll say my own approach to law has evolved. And I'll I, I explain that. 1998, you didn't have internet. It was nascent internet. Right? Um, I was working in total property and banking, then total property. Um, so it was very much about advising on uh, things like uh, employment, employment law, um, um, things like contract law. Very, very simple, I would say, uh, um, you know, very standard uh, legal issues. And then internet came in, you know, sort of blossomed and changed everything. Um, so when I moved into, uh, when, I, when I went to Pretoria and I did my, my postgraduate in international trade law, um, then I moved into Geneva. Um, then I said, okay, once I've done what was done, done, okay, let me just go back to uh, uh, to, uh, to a career in corporate car to a corporate career. Um, very interestingly, uh, the opportunities that I got at that time, I, look, I was working in the UN in Geneva, but I wasn't I wasn't necessarily interested in staying there. Um, I was seeing I wanted to come back to Africa because I really felt that. Uh, because of the internet revolution, because of the fact that I thought there would be, look, the, the opportunities for growth will be in Africa, not necessarily in Europe where I was. Um, and that I can, if I want to make a difference, if I can make a difference, it will be in Africa because there is so much to do. Um, so I was keen to come back. I had several. Uh, offers and, and opportunities, and, it, and then I settled to go back to uh, to after going back to Africa, but not to Cameroon. And I went to Senegal actually, and not as a corporate lawyer, right? And I, and again, because I was curious to explore new. And what happened is because um, since I've studied international trade law, uh, 
Um, so I was really uh, interested and I was really interested and knowledgeable in, in terms of things like things. Um, customs, you know, customs law, um, or trans, how do you call it? Um, for instance, things like how do you move borders across, uh, goods across borders, and what are the, the laws that apply to that, and how is it you know, being uh, addressed, you know, you know across the world. And, and more interestingly, and on case in point, the company I joined wanted to move, was, was actually setting up a production of facility in Nigeria. Um, uh, completed it and they wanted to move goods across West Africa by leveraging you know, regional economic communities like ECOWAS. Um, so they were looking for someone who can help them to understand you know, the various you know, um, provisions in the, in the, you know, in the, in the COAS or regional economic communities and how to take advantage of them, of those provisions or regulations to move their you know their products across different countries. You know, with that, you know, with limited, very limited, you know, issues or, or, or roadblocks. So I was very interested in that because it was very different from what I did before. Uh, it was novel, and I thought that look, uh, a lawyer, and that's another defining, um, I would say, point in my in my career, in my life, is that you have to evolve in life. And a lawyer, for instance, is not only about. The standard lawyer that we know is really about how do you adapt to the opportunities and the circumstances to provide advice to your clients. That's, that's what a lawyer is. It was a different type of role for me as a lawyer. So I enthusiastically came back. I moved into I moved back to Africa to Senegal. It was my first time living in Senegal. Wonderful time, new role, a lot of travel. Uh, understanding the various structures, the various economic communities. Um, I had, I would say, I had a little fun because um, it was new, it was a new role, it was an entire new role, and we had to define the rules of that, that role. Um, so I, I, I was creative, you know, I was, I was really called to be creative and define my, my, my role. Um, it was, it was, it was a good time. So really changed from straight corporate lawyer to an hybrid, uh, I would say regulatory, legal, uh, you know, external relations, PR person, right? because a lot of my time was spent with government officials, um, uh, you know, interacting with them, you know, analyzing uh, the various regulations and explaining, you know, and understanding and sharing, sharing the, you know, the, the, the team. Um, you know the company what it's of advantage to them and what is uh, you know what you know what is like an obstacle that we need to address and how can we address that and then how do we engage governments and tell them look um, some of the regulations that you put in place for instance are not necessarily uh, favorable to our uh, to business and for instance we, we've just invested in a huge, you know, in a huge facility in this country uh, you cannot uh, create obstacles for us to be able to export goods. It doesn't make sense because that's not creative of wealth. That's so. It was very interesting learning to that role and do things differently as well. Um, the next step after that is after three, two, two years there. Uh, our the this, look. I would say the institution that gave me the scholarship in the first place for my master's degree called me and said, "Hey, will you be interested?" doing something for us 
<laughs> we do have um, an opportunity in a country called Mali, uh, where the government is looking for an advisor on trade law. Um, and we thought you would be a good fit for that. Well, like, okay. <laughs> and then I said yes. And frankly, uh, they called me. Uh, and then, I, and then when I hung up, I didn't think about anything. I didn't think, okay, so uh, how do I actually transition out of where I'm working? Um, does it really make sense for me to live? And I was like, wow, good, new venture, sounds good. And how did you manage working in several industries? Yeah, it's look, it's a different market. That's true, and it was a different role because then I've been working with the government, but as a representative of a company. Now I'm going to be embedded in the government, working with government as, uh, as an expert, if you want, um, sitting there and telling them what they ought to do. <laughs> and I'm not from that country. So it was, it was, it was, a, good, it was a good experience. And interestingly, um, the, the, my, boss at the, my boss at the time, the minister was advising at the time in, in Mali, um, Later, become the prime minister in that country. Um, so it's it, it was a great experience uh, um, working with them, advising the government, uh, uh, you know, being part of the ministry. Um, it was it was actually uh, great in the sense that um, I actually learned to the I would say the mechanics of the government, really being part of the government. You know, I, it got me to really understand. Uh, you know, what are the, the constraints, impediments for them to work, and some of the dreams are the things I want to achieve, but they're not necessarily have the money for that. And my role, part of my role, was to get, go and get money from international donors for, for, for them. Um, I think, uh, look, it, it was it was fun because uh, it was, uh, look, it's good to be working at the meeting and advising the government, sitting in the Council of Ministers, <laughs> and writing notes for the government, and being able to influence legislation, you know, because uh, actually influence law. Um, which is very different when you're working with a company where you're actually dreaming or trying to influence it from the outside. The way that's there, I was actually inside. I was actually an inside. And then, and after a year in that role, uh, I got a call from a headhunter. <laughs> uh, out of, I would say, almost out of nowhere, and asking me, okay, would you want to work for Microsoft? <laughs> Uh, and I, interestingly, I was in the middle of a meeting with the minister, and my phone, Mr. Tim, was like a, a executive team uh, meeting, and my phone was like ring like, was ring like, ring um, insistently, and he rang like three times. And then the minister asked me to step out and, and just pick up the phone call. And I pick up the phone call, and I'm like, who is that? I said, no, I'm uh, actually, uh, I'm calling you from South Africa. Um, would you want? Would you be interested in a role at Microsoft? Like, you mean Microsoft, Bill Gates? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do? What next? <laughs> yeah. That that one, frankly, I didn't apply to. I didn't apply for that. I didn't look for it. No, specifically. Um, I think it's probably a testament to what you said. What if like hard work and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so and then, uh, you know, I, I went through the interview process, like nine interviews, all of them online, uh, on the phone, no, no physical interaction uh, for uh, five, six months. And then, and then I landed the role at Microsoft. <laughs> 
and, uh, you know, and it was a role that brought me back to Cameroon. Um, and uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that was how I got back to I got to meet to Microsoft. Uh, it was a role that was not necessarily a legal role. It was more of a project management role with for someone who had um, a legal background. Because my role was basically to uh, uh, to ensure that um, the company compliance, you know, for uh, intellectual property, uh, so people were actually um, pirating Microsoft software. Um, that we, we ensure that you know we work with governments and other uh, law enforcement to be able to uh, to address that. Uh, so I did that for for a few years. I. I did that for, for Cameroon and Francophone Africa, and then I moved to Nigeria. I did that for, for Cameroon plus Nigeria and a few other countries, and then uh, and then I I got a promotion for the entire Sub-Saharan Africa. For that, for that, for that role. And then well, um, uh, someone got interested in, in me in and I said, hey, um, I have this role as a, as a legal. Uh, director for, for Francophone Africa and plus public policy, and I think you'll be a good fit. We want you to join my team. That's why I came back to being a corporate lawyer <laughs> and, uh, and a public policy expert for Francophone. And then I move into a role in Middle East Africa and Sub Saharan Africa uh, for Microsoft. So the rest is history. <laughs> corporate law litigation. Let's have your honest opinion. Which is the best career to choose? I will give you a, a, a lawyer's response. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> it depends on each, on everyone's. <laughs> it depends on, you know, look, it depends on your interest, and, and, and I mean it. Um, um, I prefer corporate advisory because I'm, I believe it's, 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 it gives me much more many more opportunities in, uh, in, in, uh, in knowing people, cultures, etc. Um, and since um, I'm, I'm not a strict lawyer and I'm not really interested in being a strict lawyer, I'm really, I like the fact that the boundaries are really fluid you know, between what I do, law, project management, public policy, public relations, etc. So corporate advisory actually, you know, uh, sort of enables that it's, it's actually more flexible in that regard. Um, litigation, I think, is uh, is good. A good lawyer should have some litigation experience. My litigation experience is very limited, but I think it's good to have it. Um, and if one is interested in really, because people, some people like it. They really like that feeling of going to court and fighting that battle. You know, they really thrive within that environment. If they really like it, I think it's. Uh, uh, I advise them to go for it, but I personally, I would say, look, my inclination is in advisory uh, for the reasons that I outlined before because that's what I like. That's what I like. That's very open-minded. It gives us, give me, gave me more, more perspective in, in actually going into sideways into other, uh, you know, into other areas. So yeah, that's a very lawyer's answer. What interests and skills gave you an advantage in your career? Um, I think one thing, and it's actually back to your previous question, is um, I believe law is evolving. Um, even the things like the, the division between um, litigation and advisory, for me, 
eventually will, will disappear. Uh, it's now actually very blurry uh, because um, technology, for instance, is changing so much. Um, um, and the type of skills, and I'll get to that, the type of skills that I actually require now for a lawyer or for someone in, um, in the corporate world uh, to operate uh, tend to not be really um, attached to one particular profile, litigator or something else. Uh, what are some of the skills that I, I think that helped me to, uh, you know, to sort of grow professionally? Um, I think one thing that I, I, I'll say it's, uh, it's, uh, it's important that I actually cultivated is um, I think it's the ability to um, it's, it's very important the ability to really be to really be open to change and adaptable. Um, um, when I when I look at my background and I look at my experience and I think I've some, I've done so many things. I work in so many different industries um, that I think one thing that I can define is just um, uh, is that adaptability, uh, agility, um, um, and that, that ability to, to basically uh, uh, do several things uh, uh, at the same time. That's one thing. I think the second thing that I'll, I'll say it's important to have is um, some sort of a discipline. Well, that's very layers afterwards. Um, um, you have to be disciplined, you have to be focused. Um, because ultimately, what is a layer's role is to serve clients. We serve clients, right? just as a customer agent, etc. Um, experience agent. We do serve our clients, um, and we all know that clients are king. So, what you do, you have to be really disciplined, you have to be really, really uh, structured to be able to, to offer that. I think the third thing I'll say that helped me is you, most of the time, when you are a lawyer in a corporate world, even outside, you know, people tend, or people turn to you for the expert advice. And usually, and I've noticed that, usually people listen to lawyers. And the lawyers, lawyer, what the lawyer says is usually what people, you know, sort of take for, for so you have to be, you, you really have to be, uh, I would say, thoughtful, very analytical, and very, um, um, uh, I, I would say, uh, you have to be careful with how you are, how you let on what you say when you're giving advice. Um, um, I think it's a very important attribute, and I think, look, consistently over my career, I think most of the things that people have told me is that I'm very thoughtful. Um, I think it's a very strong attribute for being a lawyer um, um, because ultimately, as I said, look, it's people turn to you and for advice. Usually, the lawyer, what the lawyer says, is what people follow. Um, a fourth attribute, um, there are a long list, but I think that's that's, that's one I would give uh, for me is um, look. You said it, but. Read, reading, I think it's, it's, more, it's more than reading. I think you have to be an, a curious mind. You have to be willing to learn. Uh, in fact, in fact, um, one of the reasons why, the, the word, I don't really, I would say really like the word expert, because to me, um, uh, I hear it as something that is like fixed, some sort of a fixed mindset. You know, expert, you know, so you know. 
I am I'm more of a learner. You know, I define myself as a as a learner who is <laughs> who is giving out, you know, sharing, is learning. Um, and I think that's for me that's one of the most important attributes. It's of course you can tie it to humility, etc. But you really learning. You have to be you know ready to learn you know, throughout you know, your career all the time because things change a lot. Uh, for instance, um, 15 years ago we didn't have uh, 15, 15 years ago. Yeah, we didn't have like uh, uh, it was unthinkable in some jurisdictions to have uh, contracts signed online. E, you know, e-contracts e, e or e-agreements. It was unthinkable. Okay? Contracts had to be signed manually because of you have to have evidence of it. Now, with the stroke of a click, right, right. a contract, right. you, you go into, you, you, whether you, you, you know, you buy stuff online, you do e-commerce, etc. It's everywhere, you know. So you have to be able to understand the you know dynamics the changes and be able to adapt to those changes and i think curious mind uh you have to read a lot you have to, to you know to learn a lot always think about how about how do you you know acquire new um new skills etc for me that's another very very important attribute. how would you describe corporate law in tech compared to finance manufacturing and every other industries you've worked in Look, I think interesting is for me. I think each of these experience gave me gave, um, insights into how the world, especially the business world, operates. Uh, let me just elaborate on that. Working in banking, of course, uh, gives you access to how people think about the money and uh, you know investment, etc. Um, it was important for me as I think as a young lawyer because uh, my first assignment for anyone I started was to review loans agreements. You know, and you learn a lot by <laughs> by reviewing loans agreements about what are people, you know, expectations, experience, blah blah blah. And even you know, so that was one thing. Uh, moving into uh, into government, it is um, a privileged window into understanding how a, how a state, a government operates, and what how do you. What language, what sort of language do you need to speak to government to make it move? Because one of the things that um, corporations, people in the corporate world or even non-governmental, I would say, would find difficult is how do you understand how a state government operates for you to be able to sort of build connections and make make things happen? You know, what do we want from the government? We want the government to, to empower us, we want the government to build infrastructure, we want them to... Uh, give us, you know, the freedom to operate, to help us to, to, you know, to operate our business. But you need to understand how government operates itself for it for you to be able to get what you want from the government. So, having access to that insight and also contributing to creating law policies, um, you know, it gave me an entirely different perspective on, 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 on my professional life and how do you actually impact people's life. Um, working in manufacturing uh, was great because um, it gave me an, you know, an, uh, it gave me, it gave me an, an, a very good uh, experience on how do you uh, ensure opt. I would say optimal operations. How do you uh, optimize operations 
and to make them efficient, um, to ensure that the products that you're selling is visible and accessible to our clients um, all the time. Uh, it is it is brilliant. It's uh, it's you need perfect execution. You need structured discipline. You need to make sure that people do. You know, everyone does what he does at the time because if you don't have the products in front of the client, you're not selling. So you need to sell. If you don't have the product in front of the client, you don't sell. If you don't have the product um, at the factory that is being produced, you don't have a product. So you have to make sure that your execution is flawless um, across the board. And I absolutely love that experience. It was really a true immersion into how um, um, fast-moving goods and manufacturing operate. Uh, and manufacturing, arguably, frankly, is um, is actually one of the you know one you know, providers of, of growth and jobs in our countries. We need to have factories and manufacturing facilities to create employment for people and to create wealth. Um, and then IT, working at Microsoft software industry, uh, was fantastic because then you are on the side of intellectual property. You create in a, in a very fast moving area technology it changes all the time and hence adaptability when i spoke about adaptability it changes all the time from the time i joined microsoft when i joined microsoft in uh, in 2007 there was no single word about the cloud cloud computing nobody talked about it. right we were talking still talking about talking at that time we were still using dvds and cds and installing systems can you imagine? All of that disappeared. Today, it's so ubiquitous. We, you and I, actually, we're using cloud computing. Look, we're, we're having this conversation recorded on the cloud. Think about it. 15 years ago, it didn't exist. So things change so much in technology. So ad adaptability and just being ahead of the curve all the time. Right? I think for me, that was most fascinating. And, uh, and ultimately, I find home in technology. I, I love technology, and I think I'll probably the rest of in the rest of my career I'll probably spend it in technology or innovation, some sort of some sort. Because I love changes and I love technology. I love computers, and and I like I love change. So for me, that was you know if I can sum it up, those are the you know when I, I think about my experience, each industry I work in, you know, brought me a lot of value. And I'll say probably. Um, for the last 10 years and, and, and more, that's been really the defining characteristic of my career. And, um, and, and, I, and I find myself really um, at home in technology because of, I'd say, that because of the continuous change, because of the, the fact that I realized, and back to the point I made initially, that I wanted to discover the world, I wanted to be, to do good, to do justice. I discovered that technology is actually you know, one of the tools that we can use to, uh, to do good, uh, to do well, to create change, you know, to, to, to help Africa, Africa, especially to develop um, without having to uh, maybe to, uh, to pay a heavy price because we don't necessarily have the, you know, the, the, the money to invest as in other countries. And technology helps us to, um, to leapfrog, just use that. Or to leapfrog to some extent. Um, with technology, you can actually improve people's um, productivity. You know, talking about 
uh, working remotely, etc. You can empower uh, children, they can learn, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, things like coding, you know, it can change your life, you can find a job with that, um, you know, etc. So it was really um, uh, that, that sort of drive that, 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 uh, that I have with, with technology, and I believe it's, it's, it has the power to change. Africa, we're already seeing it. We're seeing in Nigeria, for instance, all the innovation that is coming up with uh, in fintech, uh, you know, for instance, with some of the, 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 the big uh, operators. And um, we've, seen, we've seen it in, in, um, in Kenya with, um, well, with MPESA that changed the whole uh, financial sector in Kenya, um, etc. It's, uh, I think it's technology is, is, is for me. Is, is really uh, you know, the key element for us, for us to develop, and that's been my passion and what I What other skills did you have to learn to become exceptional in your career? Good question, actually. Yeah, of, I think when you, of course, it's good to have your your law degree, and in countries where that is required, you are to have your bar admission admission prerequisite. I think if you want to be a lawyer. Um, and then, um, as 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 you move, and I'm talking about myself, um, um, there are definitely a few a few things that you need to consider in terms of um, your technical uh, skills or specialization. Um, one thing, for instance, that was clear to me is if I'm if I'm seeing um, uh, clients or advising uh, you know, my company, I need to understand the product. For instance, in IT, um, I needed to uh, to understand what a Microsoft uh, it's Microsoft product line to be able to talk about it as an expert. Because it's good to be a lawyer, a good lawyer, but a good lawyer is as good as uh, his knowledge of his people and his products. Uh, and I give you a good example. You know, we're using this product, for instance, and um, let's assume that it's, it's having some sort of issue, and you come to me as your lawyer and say, okay, can you? You know, help me, you know, because I'm having this issue and I want to file a claim or I want to, etc. Um, I will not necessarily tell you file a claim because it's not working. I'll try to understand how it works and how that came to the situation that you are in. And then I'll be in a better position to advise you on whether you are filing a claim is the right way to go. And even if maybe you have, you know, additional uh, opportunities to, uh, to get uh, compensation. So, so, I really understand the product. For instance, I did some certifications in Microsoft Solutions uh, to be able to understand the product. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is I did some leadership courses um, because a lawyer, and back to the point I made earlier, usually we are the last standing in the room. <laughs> when everyone is like, okay, so what is the, what is the lawyer's advice, opinion? You, you need to be able to give um, an honest, uh, thoughtful, and credible opinion. And for that, for that it's important to do. Uh, I did it for myself, you know, uh, leadership uh, courses, etc. to really understand what it means to be a leader, um, to be a leader and, and really understand you know, how dynamics, how do you operate and you know, interconnect with other people. Um, so that's one thing. The, the other thing also uh, I'll add to, uh, to that is, is um, in terms of details is, look, usually for, for lawyers, uh, especially when you are a lawyer, there are 
continuing what we call continuing legal notification. But I think it's important, if you can, to to have maybe um, some sort of a degree in business or something like that. I, I haven't done it. I had actually like short courses. Um, for instance, uh, finance for non finance uh, managers is one of the courses that I did. Um, because at one point, um, I needed to advise the finance team, to advise the technical team, etc. And you need to be able to speak the, the language of the of the client again. And you need to understand you know, what the finance team thinks, you know, how do they think, etc. Um, so some of these um, um, uh, certifications or, or courses are very important. You know, when you're serving particular uh, constituents, I think it's important to you know uh, at least to uh, to understand the language to take certifications when, when possible or do a degree in business, for instance, if you can. And the job market today, for instance, um, um, for those who can afford it, uh, having a law degree plus an MBA, master's in education or master's in finance, etc., it's very much sought after. It's, you know, because then you bring additional value to the table. You can speak law, you can speak business. Um, so yeah, so that's some of the examples that I can give in terms of the, of the additional skills and certifications that people can have. So the thing that I can maybe just encourage people to consider is, um, and that is depending on, in terms of your career perspective. For instance, at one point in my career, I was thinking of, okay, um, what is the next? And for me, I I'm really want to, again, I said, I want to be helpful to the society. Um, so I consider when joining, just going back to uh, you know, for profit, uh, uh, that I need to take a training on, on that. And perhaps um, at, after some years of experience, like, like what I have, um, people are coming to me to ask for advice, not necessarily in terms of business advice, but for instance, strategic advice. For instance, I am one of the things that I'm doing and I, I wanted to talk to you. To, to that after this, after is helping, for instance, uh, startup uh, founders, you know, uh, mentoring them, supporting them, etc. Um, so being part of a board, for instance, of directors, it's, it's, a, it's a totally different sort of skills that you need to have. Um, and again, so depending on you know your career profile, aspirations, if you want to move you know, to, that, to that level, uh, I need to consider, for instance, uh, courses in that. You know, experience or knowledge that what are the current trends in corporate law and tech that we have to keep up with number one is is um, look at um, there's a lot of changes coming through startups and, uh, and technology companies so look at technology and, and the trends to startups what we're seeing for instance is um, there are a lot of startups being created in Africa a lot less than in other, in other, in other um, continents, but we're catching up at least, um, you know, from uh, I would say statistically, we're catching up. And there's money that's coming up, coming up to the ecosystem. Last year alone, uh, two years ago, it was more than uh, almost, uh, uh, um, um, I think it was, uh, there, there was um, close to, if I, if I recall correctly, I think there was Nigeria, for instance, was the number one market uh, in terms of investment into startups in Africa. Um, so there is a lot of money that's coming in. There's a lot of things that are happening in terms of startups. Um, so there is need to be 
those startups need lawyers, and they need lawyers that are different from standard lawyers, typically because they don't, first, they are quite fragile and young structures. Two, uh, the issues are really like technology, you know, I'm building a platform, you know, how can you help me with that? <laughs> It's not about, I have these 10 employment contracts and I want to know what employees have we do. Yeah, it is, but it's more about how do you write unconventional contracts for me? You know, for me and how, for instance, also, how do you help me to, uh, to um, for instance, to, 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 to uh, contract with my investors? You know, because I'm, I'm a startup founder, I want to raise money. I have these investors, best to invest, you know, how can you help me to tie it up and just to make sure that, for instance, I can keep control of the, of the company, etc., etc. And these are things that, that are new, the new trends that we need to consider. So when you tend to you know, get into this, uh, into, into law, into this area, etc., you need to consider these things, you know, because these are new trends and I believe they're going to be there for a while because, because, um, because there is uh, this dynamism in that, in that, in that space. Um, the third thing I want to know is even in in, um, in in a big corporations like like Microsoft, um, you know that is investing investing you know in, in heavily in things like uh, in cloud computing. For instance, uh, people may not know or may know, uh, but behind cloud computing you have huge servers, huge data centers, you know, you know scattered across the world. Um, where dead, you know, and, and data are being sort of transferred, you know, we go to the center, etc., posted there. Um, it's a totally different type of legal area. You know, how do you, you know, manage, for instance, uh, uh, privacy, you know, just making sure, for instance, like people's data um, well kept, right? And not, you know, necessarily disclosed or protected, etc. Data privacy. How do you do that? There are not many specialists. Personally, I did a certification on privacy, um, but there's a lot there to, to, to be done. Um, there's also a lot of concerns still on technology about security, security of our data. You know, when you're using your credit card, credit card, you know how you make sure that it's not going to be, going to be hacked or your account. Uh, your email account is not going to act, or your Instagram account is going to act. There's a lot of concerns about cyber security, and it's need for need people, you know, specializing in cyber security. Right? We can, you know, write contracts more on cyber security, or we can help on you know, enforcement on cyber security requirements, etc. Or standards. Um, also, uh, in terms of the um, uh, the things that I can advise people to consider. Um, um, there's a lot, some skills um, around, um, you know, what, what, I, what I would call, um, you, you talk a bit about that, the soft skills, you know, communications. Um, and if, if you get into corporate world, it's one thing is to do what you're being asked to do, but equally and more importantly is to tell people talk about what you're doing because if you don't talk about what you're doing frankly nobody will know. and it's very important skill communication being able to communicate and I, one of my my mentors and even one of my 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 my, 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 my managers at Microsoft used to tell me because for me it's one of the areas yes of improvement 
personally is over communicate right? don't be afraid to over communicate it's better than you know insufficiently communicate so communication is very important being on top of of, of, of things um, you know sending reminder you know connecting with people asking for opinion sharing your opinion proactively that is super important uh, you, are, you are to that you know ability to present of course present to be able to come to people and just concisely and precisely uh, you know tell you know just share a point uh, for instance if you're presenting to, uh, to an executive let me tell you uh, they're very busy people usually um, so they don't have much time so if, if they give you a little bit of their time uh, what they expect is usually for them to, for you to come to them and tell them uh, this is a problem and this is a solution let's decide they are not coming, they are not expecting you to come and ask them to give you the solution. It doesn't work like that. So you have to be very super concise and very clear about that. Executive communication is also very important to consider. Yeah. So look, there, there, are, there are a lot of things to consider, but those are some of the things that I would probably advise people to, uh, to pay attention to. And again, technology is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's for me, it's... Uh, is, is the defining a parameter for 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 for, for employment or professional work for you know probably now in the future how can tech companies and innovators navigate regulations in africa i think first we, we need to we, we need to know there's been a lot of progress in africa in terms of um, creating a attractive environment for, for companies to operate. Um, they are, I think they're very good examples. Uh, when you look at countries like Rwanda, um, for instance, in terms of making it easier for um, for people to create, to create, to basically set up a business. Uh, I think in Rwanda it's less than eight hours now, in some other countries in Africa it's the same thing. Um, you have um, Countries where uh, there've been uh, laws that uh, provide you know, incentives or specific support uh, for people who are creating for startups. Uh, for instance, Tunisia, Senegal, uh, and also of other countries. You know, I've done it. I know few other countries are actually considering what they call startup act. Um, so I think, just in terms of the background, it's encouraging. I think we're moving in the right direction. And I'll add that, uh, you know, the African continental free trade area, for instance, um, that uh, countries are negotiating, enough countries are negotiating the EU. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's meant to provide, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, 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 sort of uniform regulations across the board and make it easier, uh, you know, for uh, companies you know, to trade across borders. Among members, um, so yeah, that's that's for me. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's just knowledge that has been in some progress. Um, now, in terms of my, my perspective and you know, some advice, I think there's always this tension between um, you know what. Um, let me just put it this way: um, what's the private sector? Want um, 
obviously, you know, as much freedom to operate as possible, etc. And what the government wants, what do the government want, right? Um, the government wants to ensure that there's, there's growth, there's investments, there's money flowing into the country, there are jobs, very sensitive, especially in Africa. Job creation, we want employment because it's huge unemployment, especially for Europe in, in Africa. Um, but how do you reconcile that? Um, and I say, and I think this, we, we need to, to be very thoughtful, both from government, uh, from government perspective, and even from, from private actors. Let me just elaborate on that. I think governments need to be, I think that we have to move beyond. Um, you can set up a company in 28 hours in your country, and then boom. Yeah, so what? Uh, what is it different? It's good. It's a good starting point, but how is it different from what your neighbor is doing? We should move to a place where governments say, um, for instance, I'm in a unique position. Um, I've invested in education. My people have well educated, speak more French, me English, for instance. I'm just giving examples. Um, and or I've invested a lot in, for instance, in digital skills. So if you come to my country, you have five people who can, for instance, do um, coding, things like that, or who are very good IT support engineers, or who can a good community manager. So invest in my country, and you have that, you know, that the skills available. In addition, I can make things easy for you to set up business, etc. So we really need to move into the direction where countries really think through what exactly are their advantages in sort of a market. Let's call it a market. Because countries compete, you know, to offer advantages. So what are they? What are they? So why me? I have money, I have investors. You know, why should I come to Nigeria? Yes, the market is big, etc. But why should I come to Nigeria? Um, so governments should really be thoughtful about that. Um, and I think that's still lacking a bit. Um, that's, that's one thing. The second thing is on, on the other side, I think um, we have to be careful you know, again, on the side of the government, we have to be careful about about um, what is perceived, for instance, uh, big for national investments versus what is this exactly. And I'll give you an example. You know, I've worked in an IT company. Um, a data center, for instance, is a massive facility. Um, you know, 100, 100 square meters. Um, but it doesn't actually provide any most. In fact, it's like an empty warehouse. You have racks of servers. And usually don't have a lot of people to man that because it's, again, it's digital. But a lot of governments lo love it because it's visible, it's, it's physical. You know, they can come and cut the ribbons and say, wow, we have this investment in our country. It's providing, no, no. You have to be careful about what type of investment. What we need is type of investment. What we need to encourage investment that are more capital intensive and in, um, in the sense that they bring jobs, actual jobs, manufacturing, etc., and also that can bring technology to the country, so we can actually um, sort of, you know, take that technology, you know, and and use it to our own advantage, like countries in this, you know, is Asia did, Singapore, on the abstract channel, etc. That's what we need, uh, you know. To do. Now, in terms of the actual, uh, so startups typically don't have the capacity like big corporations to address the red tape or roadblocks in the regulation. Um, 
And but the reality is that, admittedly, uh, most of the most of the jobs will come and growth will come from startups and small and medium-sized enterprises. Um, so governments need to pay attention to the needs of startups and make things easier for them. To, for instance, um, um, why not invest on research and development? Helping them, for instance, say, hey, uh, you're, I'm seeing that when you are investing in, for instance, in artificial intelligence, um, to now that we're having issues with climate change, etc., and we are seeing that there's, just, there's some sort of uh, issues with water, and and you are seeing, for instance, as young startup that's investing on AI, artificial intelligence tools to, for instance, to lower the consumption of water. Why not giving them, for instance, tax credits? So you don't have to pay, for instance, taxes what five years, and they can invest that money in research and development. Why not helping them, for instance, in, in terms of, uh, for instance, posting them abroad in countries you know, where they can actually learn learn that uh, that knowledge and just bring it back home. So we really need to be thoughtful in how we how we structure structure that. Um, and startups, for instance, need to look into what are the uh, areas where we can actually bring value, right? uh, where we can actually bring value, um, and where there is really need in the country uh, for us to to, to to move in there, so we can get the right support for for it. Uh, yes, we won't be necessarily in a position to to change regulation, although I think that's that's coming. Um, but how can we actually get into areas where we know that it's, it's the need, how we can actually bring value, how we can get money and support for, um, for that. Um, so there's, it's really a two, a two um, I would say a two-sided play. Um, one side government to really be thoughtful about how to do it, so, sort of enable the environment for business to thrive. It's only about just changing regulation or, or, or setting up business in 24 hours is much more than that. Um, and on the other side, private sector startups, corporations, right? Um, for instance, you need to really think about where exactly, you know, where to spend, where to invest money and which sectors that really uh, uh, makes there is really need and value for that that you do. And and cleverly. Uh, you know, being able to extract some concessions from government because I've seen it, you know, as part of my work with uh, you know, IT, um, you know, in terms of the bargaining uh, with governments, hey, we're investing so much, this amount of money, give us, for instance, uh, access to this and this and this. Uh, we need to be better at doing that as well. What other interests do you have outside practicing corporate law? I like I like reading. Uh, when I was in Nigeria, I was actually uh, part of uh, the book readers uh, group. Um, I loved. Um, I like reading, so I was I was I was a group. I was part of when I was in Nigeria. I remember I was a, I was part of a group of people who you know we, we got together to uh, sort of share our, our passions for uh, for books. Uh, I love traveling a lot. Um, Discovering like weird places. And, uh, I think one of the last places where I went uh, was like out of um, curiosity was Cabo Verde. Cabo Verde is uh, it's an island. I don't know if you heard about Cabo Verde. It's an island off the the coast of Senegal. 
and it's a very interesting place uh, because it was actually one of the it was a, a transit place uh, for uh, for cargoes for boats uh, on their road uh, to the, you know to um, to America with slaves from Africa. Right? So they were used to stop there for refueling and things like that. Um, so I went to Cabo Verde. It's a very nice place. It's, it's beautiful. Right? And so I love traveling. Um, love music. Jazz. Uh, I'm crazy about jazz. I can travel to a very bizarre place just because I have about a jazz festival there. I'm learning to play. I'm trying to learn to play actually the guitar. <laughs> to play you know, uh, guitar as well. Um, what else? Um, I think one thing that um, I love the most, I think, is spending time with people. Um, spending time with people. Um, for me, it's uh, it's most of the it's one of the most rewarding experiences in my life. Just just discussing, just learning, um, just talking about. Things. I think we our um, one thing I feel about our um, how would say about our, our area now, about our, our our time now is is we spend so much time on um, on technology. That's that's the downside of technology. You know, you had me. You know, talking good about technology and how technology change can change Africa, etc. But at the same time, it's a downside that we need to be conscious of it. We spend so much on time in front of our computers in terms of you know, on our phones, etc. And we forget to connect humans. We're losing our humanity, um, and that's not good, right? Um, people will spend time on Twitter, we spend time on WhatsApp, etc. And they will not, they will not greet their neighbors. <laughs> they won't greet their neighbors, but they will chit chat on, the, you know, on social media. But they won't greet their neighbors. They don't even know who their neighbors is. You know, and knowing, you know, know, how traditional Africans we are, it's it's it's, it's really weird. We, we we shouldn't lose ourselves to, um, to technology. So we have to be careful and. Keep that emotional connection going. We need to talk to people, connect with people, learn about people, uh, because that's how we, that's how we grow. Technology is just a mean. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not an end. How do you maintain work-life balance? Yeah. Look, I, I think family is important for me. You know, I have two kids, and um, um, I've, I've I've always known that it would be you know the, 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 the amount of travel that I was doing and. Uh, Focus to have, that I I needed to find. <laughs> so I don't think that is work like. By the way, I don't think that is anything like work like balance. <laughs> we there's an attempt to work like that. We're always trying, but, but we'll never get there. Frankly, um, I think maybe we shouldn't call it balance. We should we call it <laughs> work life like matching or I don't know. It's um, what I try to do is yeah management. On management, you know, it's you know what I try to say. I try what I try to do is spend quality time with people that I care about, care about me. Um, for instance, I I know I can I can travel a lot, etc. But when I spend time with my kids, uh, I make sure that even if it's you know very short time, we we, we get a lot from that connection. Um, you know, I know and if. Uh, uh, I have someone who, who loves bas- basketball, plays basketball. Uh, I always make sure that I'm at least there when he plays basketball, if possible. I can even drive him to 
basketball. I, I can't do that all the time, but at least I make sure that I'm there when it, makes, when it matters to him. Um, you know, because, again, um, I think, I think uh, if you think about it, from my perspective as work-life balance, you always it's always that guilt that you, you're never quite there in terms of having that balance because work is demanding. It's our time. It's very demanding. Um, and you know, and you also need that you need, you need work for, for you, you know, to, be, to, be, to, be, to be to be good. So, so for me, it's like spending quality time with all ones. And the second thing um, that I try to get a more clients is, and I've been lucky enough is to um, uh, turn as much of um, the time that I spend at work or using the tools that I have at work. My personal life, I love technology, so I love technology for to do things. I told you about learning to play guitars. I'm doing an on- online, actually. Using, <laughs> I'm using an online tool for that. You know, and I bought a guitar, I'm like, okay, let me just use it. Um, so it helps me, you know, because I know that it's, I'll find some time, a bit of time to go and play guitar, but why not using, you know, my computer and things that I have to, you know, sort of, uh, do it. So, so using those, those tools. And then the third thing, I think the final thing I will do is, um, is I think it's just a deep appreciation, I would say, of, um, of life. Um, you know, it's uh, working in a high, uh, a very intense environment, national, 20 years, uh, 20 years. I think at one point you you don't, and I think, look, I was guilty of that at one point, I believe, you, you really don't appreciate the value of things. I was very lucky, I say. I don't think I've seen it all, but I was very lucky to, to work at Microsoft, you know, to be exposed to it so far, and today to work with entrepreneurs and to help them to grow it. Grow it. Um, and um, I just, for me, just taking a step back from time to time and say, hey, you know, you know what is the, what's the journey and what's next? You know? And um, if you do that, I think it's, 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 it helps you to sort of get to that balance that we're all dreaming of. Because the, the, the reality is that if you keep if you keep on running, because how I put it, if you're just running, you know, so like endlessly, the reality is that you'll always be forced to play catch up and you'll be frustrated because you're not getting there. But at one point if you stop and say, hey, hey, by the way, you know, let me just make sure that when exactly is the end point? Because at one point you look for it. Do I really need to go there? Maybe you need to make a change here, etc. etc. Then you start reflecting on it and looking at it differently, and maybe that can change your perspective and help you to focus on other things. How do you stay productive? Yeah, so uh, it's one thing. Uh, the first thing I'll, I'll say is um, I, I use the technology tools I have, for instance. Uh, I was guilty of, I'm guilty of that, but I, I won't when I say to myself, I need to do it. I put a lot of things in my calendar, including private things, for instance. Um, usually, I make sure that and, uh, the reality is that I'm, I'm not always successful. <laughs> I'm battling to do that, but I'm trying to do that all the time. Is I try to, as much as possible, to plan my day ahead. Um, in my calendar, okay. I have this meeting with uh, Nifimi 
after that, I have to I have this article that I need to write, you know, um, and and I put that in my calendar. And okay, even on a personal life, so that my you know, guitar classes, and I put them in my calendar. I have to go swimming, uh, or I have to read a book. I put it there as much as possible. That's just again back to the discipline of a lawyer because um, there is so much information for us to that that we're getting, and there is so much. To, um, um, there's so much that's distracting us, social media, etc. That at one point you really need to have like some sort of structure. You know, I'm trying to try to have that structure. I don't always succeed, frankly. I'm not thinking I'm the best at that discipline, but at least I'm trying uh, for the most part. Yeah, so that's uh, one of the things that I, I would say. The other thing that I would say is, is um, look, I one thing I try to do every day is not every day, every week. Again, uh, something I'm trying to achieve, uh, always succeeding, but I say, let me spend time every week with at least one person that will, that will teach me something, or that will be value, or that will learn from. Whether a startup, uh, entrepreneur, or a neighbor that is doing something very fancy, very interesting, or even for my family, etc. But I, I, I try to keep that hunger to learn by doing that. Let me have. I've had lunch, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, I had lunch with uh, uh, a friend of mine who is a makeup artist. She's very good at that. She's lives in South Africa. And she, you know, I learned a lot about our business. I'm like, hmm, that's very interesting, you know. Um, and there's and, uh, and and this week, um, well, if it's confirmed, we'll probably sit down with a painter who's an artist, it's painting, and uh, I want to understand this painting. And I, I love I love art as well. So I just want to understand you know, things like that. So just spending time like that, like consciously, you know, just really consciously say, uh, um, I want that to to happen, and I think consciously about it. Um, how do I make sure that I meet people that are interacting like every week or you know, as much as possible? Uh, otherwise, we default. Most of the time, we default to our inner cycle or to people who are comfortable. And I remember what I said earlier. If we went, you need to continue learning. If you stop learning, frankly, there is no value in life anymore. After 28 years of practicing law, what are your future plans? Um, look, it's, I'm very open about my, my future. I, I, I think I, I love what I'm trying to do now with this consulting. Um, I think um, the, the wealth of expertise that I'm bringing to the table is uh, it's, it's, it's one that is, that is valuable for a lot of companies that want to do business in Africa, especially in IT company. Um, who want to understand the regulatory landscape and how to navigate it. Um, um, I also love um, you know, what I'm doing with uh, uh, startups and mentoring and being a, a business angel investor as well. Um, I, I hope to be, to be able to find the next unicorn, <laughs> one of the next unicorns in Africa and, uh, and why not making you know, good money uh, you know, from there. But, yeah, but I, I think it's it's um, for me those are the things that I have in mind now. I don't 
I don't rule out going back to corporate is a very interesting challenge uh, for that because I believe um, it's, uh, it's, it's um, the corporations uh, have that uh, ability to uh, to accelerate uh, things because of their size, etc. So um, I'm uh, you know looking you know, looking at the market and looking at always uh, you know uh, interested about opportunities, but. For now, for me, it's just how do I deepen this consulting expertise, update, um, uh, helping startups, uh, both as mentor and investor. And there's quite a lot in, in, to do in Africa. One of the projects that it's, um, for instance, it be busy now is to, uh, is to write a paper um, that summarizes some of the regulatory challenges that startups face you know, when they are operating in Africa. And what are the sort of the recommendations for that? Thank you for listening to Expert and African. I am Uluani Femi Kolawale. Please drop a review for this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also send your feedback and recommendations to expert at techpoint.africa. Catch you in the next episode. Bye.